Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Dana Sukow is passionate about the importance of raising body-confident children. Bullied for her skin issues with cystic acne, she struggled with body shame and unworthiness at a young age. As a result, Dana grew up hating her body and later developed an eating disorder, and she was trying to portray an image of perfection as a fashion blogger living in New York City. When Dana started opening up about her struggles, she found a deeper connection with her followers who are also dealing with the same issues. Since overcoming bulimia, binge eating disorder, and exercise compulsion, Dana Sukow has become an expert in the field of body image and eating disorder prevention. Offering a non-clinical and holistic approach, Dana gives parents, teachers, and caregivers the tools to prevent eating disorders and raise body-confident kids. Dana is an international speaker, and for years she has worked with audiences of 10 to auditoriums of over 1,000. She is a frequent summit panelist and keynote speaker and has given 15-minute talks to three-hour workshops. She also works with children of all school levels, from elementary to college, appearing in person or by video. In 2012, Dana founded DoTheHotPants.com as a fashion blog, but once she realized fashion's unattainable beauty standards were fueling her eating disorder, she made the powerful decision to leave the industry and focus on eating disorder prevention and activism. In 2014, she founded Hashtag My Body Story, an ongoing storytelling series created to uplift girls' and women's voices that so often go unheard. In 2016, Dana co-founded The Ripple, a nonprofit nationwide activist collective focused on helping women make waves in their communities. In 2018, Dana was awarded the Girl Up Hashtag Girl Hero Award by This Is Us star and activist Chrissy Metz. Dana lives in New York City and holds a master's degree in creative writing from San Francisco State University. You can find her on Good Morning America, The Oprah Winfrey Network, Vogue, Huffington Post, Yahoo, L17 Magazine, and more. Today, Dana and I dig deep into the world of body image. We talk about how to raise body-confident children in today's society and the importance of learning about diet culture, the companies that try to profit off of our insecurities, and the need to heal the relationship with our own bodies. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to have with me on Gold today, Dana Sukow. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thank you again for having me. I'm really excited to be speaking, uh, especially about raising body confident kids. It's my absolute passion. I could not agree more. <laughs> I am so <laughs> aligned with what you're doing. Um, I think it's so important that we are so much more aware of the messages that we provide our children than we probably were um, yeah. growing up or as advertising and social media kind of took hold. And mm -hmm. I'm just excited to kind of dig in with you. And you've been very open about your path to this place of advocacy. And I just mm -hmm. wanted if, I wanted to see if you would share a little bit about why you're here today. How, what happened to get you to a place where you're like, things have to change? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, my the story itself is long. I feel like it's in my my path to where I got could be an entire podcast episode. But let me try to condense it. I think you know to something that to, that makes sense and and also relays why I'm so passionate about this. Um, so you know, I I grew up hating my body. I was the first kid in my class to get cystic acne. Um, I was bullied for my skin. I had you know a boyfriend in elementary school break up with me because of my skin and write a note to the class on why. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, I've just, I've had a lot of, uh, feelings of body shame and unworthiness and not good enough throughout my life. Um, and then when I, I moved to New York actually 10 years ago, almost exactly to this day, uh, from California. And as soon as I moved to New York, I developed an eating disorder. I got binge eating disorder, bulim- exercise, bulimia, exercise compulsion, just, you know, you, you name it. It wasn't restriction though. Um, and I also at the around the same time, I was trying to become a fashion blogger. And as I was realizing it was being involved in fashion, doing the fashion blogging, um, you know, putting my, putting this kind of perfectly photoshopped, you know, being of me that didn't actually exist, putting that person out online on social media. Um, it was really fueling my eating disorder. It was making me feel like I'm, uh, I'm not good enough. I was terrified that people were going to see me in real life and see my acne and see that I wasn't as small as I was making my body and see that my hairline was different and all these other things. And, um, it started to really, uh, you know, stress, put, put a lot of stress on me. In fact, you know, I, I used to shoot for the blog on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would exercise compulsively. I would, um, completely restrict the food I was eating, <coughs> excuse me, Saturday and Sunday. I would shoot for the blog. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, was absolutely binging on food, you know, eating because I was absolutely in starvation mode. And it was, you know, years that this cycle was continuing. And I finally was like, I can't do this anymore. This is actually killing me. Mm. And so I started coming clean to my readers about, uh, you know, what I was feeling about my body saying, you know, gosh, I don't, I don't feel good today. I'm struggling with my skin. I'm struggling with this. And, you know, slowly, but surely I started having followers going, Oh my gosh, me too. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Finally, someone is talking about this. Someone who I view as quote unquote perfect or has the perfect life or perfect, whatever, um, actually goes through the same stuff as I do. And so, you know, through that, through my recovery, I started, you know, sharing a lot more and it got to a place where I really couldn't go back. I couldn't go back to being that perfect fashion blogger or that quote unquote perfect fashion blogger. So I started throwing women's empowerment events and I was traveling around the country doing that. And as I was, as at these events that I was doing, I would create space for women to speak at the end and say, you know, where did your body image issue start? And it was like 99% of the women that spoke at the end said that their body image issues started when they were kids. Mm-hmm. They started with a parent body shaming them, a coach saying that they were too fat, a teacher ignoring them or making them feel other, you know, um, you know, a, a dad saying that they had to lose weight to be loved. So it was a lot of this stuff, this deep trauma, kind of almost PTSD that people were, were living living, you know, within their adult lives, um, that happened when they were children. And I started thinking, okay, how can I prevent this? You know, I, I want to create spaces and work with people, um, that are going through it, that are in it, but how can we prevent this? And I started realizing that working with parents, working with teachers, working with caregivers, adults, all the people who have a touch point with kids, um, 
how can I give them tools so that the things that I went through, the things that they went through when they were young don't happen for the next generation. So, so that's the work that I do now. I do coaching and training with families. I speak at schools. Um, I travel around, I do corporate workshops as well. So I, I really, I, anyone that has a touch point with kids. And then also I work with people who don't have kids. I work with people who themselves are struggling or, you know, are trying to make their, their corporate structure or their classrooms more body positive and more inclusive. I love that. And I, I think it's so – so I I wrote a book um, about a year ago. And in the book, um, I was interviewing women, uh, very successful, high-performance uh, women on their messaging and what they wish they would have known when they were mm-hmm. girls. And there is a direct correlation between their mother and father's um, communication about their body and mm-hmm. their resulting body image. It was hands mm-hmm. down. The biggest takeaway was that the things that were said and unsaid, and even a mother's relationship with her own body, and the way oh, that she would diet, or the way that she would talk about herself, or even in her friend groups, that they would kind of, you know, we body shame and solidarity with our girlfriends. We're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, my belly, or oh my God, my thighs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you haven't seen. And there, it was so clear the correlation between what's happening when we're kids and when we're learning about our bodies. And mm-hmm. this really bothered me the other night. I actually I got a notification on my phone that my daughter had downloaded a book. And she's allowed to mm-hmm. download books on Audible. But it was um, about a girl that had an eating disorder and learned to love herself after she had um, surgery. And I immediately like ran upstairs. I'm like, what are you reading? Because at eight years old... I'm very worried about their understanding of of bodies and our relationships to them. So I'm very curious from from that perspective, if you're talking to parents and to teachers, where do we start? What do we start doing when they're young to make sure that they're they're growing into their bodies, they're accepting of them, especially as the mm-hmm. girls move into puberty. I mean, they're almost kind of afraid of their bodies to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. What do we do? I mean, that you know, that's, that's like the million dollar question. And I, I feel like I've found answers. Um, but there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to do. It's not, there's not just one thing where, you know, I'm saying, okay, well, you know, fix your media or, mm-hmm. you know, don't diet around children. There's, there's a lot of things to do. And I'm not saying that there's, here's the, the 30 things you have to do because I'm not trying to overwhelm anyone, but you know, it's work. It's, it's work to actively unlearn the things that we have learned. It is work to actively protect children from the harm that we have um, lived with, from the, you know, the toxic language and all of that. And, and, but the outcome is good. You know, the, the outcome is rewarding and exciting. And, you know, it's really beautiful to see children growing up and loving themselves. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to do. I, I think one of the first things to do is learning about diet culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times I do workshops and I ask people, I say, okay, you know, can someone explain diet culture to me? And, and a lot of times there's a room full of people who, who don't raise their hand because they've never heard of it before. But when I start pointing out, okay, this is a system that makes us all feel feel that we need to lose weight. And if we're not actively losing weight, then we are not good enough. Uh, and it, you know, marginalizes plus size people and people go, Oh yeah, yeah. I I totally know what that is because I've been on 80 diets my whole life. Um, so, you know, one of the first really concrete things that you can do is learning about diet culture, learning about the systems that are in place that make you feel like you're not good enough, learning about the companies trying to profit off of your insecurities. Um, Another thing that you can do is 
work on healing your relationship with your body, especially if you have children, you know, and this is for everyone. Everyone should be working on working on healing their hearts and minds and souls and bodies, you know, if they can, if they have time, if they have, um, you know, the resources to do it. I, I, I hope that everyone has access to this kind of healing, but especially if you have children, um, you know, I think you had said earlier, you know, that direct correlation between how parents view their bodies to how children view their bodies. You know, if we can start getting parents working on self-love, working on accepting themselves and not fighting their body and not spending thousands and thousands of dollars to change their appearance only to find something else wrong the next day. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the reason that kids pick up on this is because children look to adults for protection. Right. So if you are pointing out, let's say you guys are, you and your kid are walking down the street and you point out, oh, that person is so ugly. Well, your child needs your love for survival. And this is, this goes back, you know, thousands of years, hundreds, this, this goes back from evolution, that children need love, protection, social, you know, they need all of these things from parents for survival. So if you point out that someone is ugly and your child hears it, they're going to become terrified to look like that person. Because if they ever look like that person, that means that you will not love them. Mm-hmm. So they will do whatever they can to not look like that person. If you are constantly body shaming people, and saying, oh, that person is so fat, that person is so disgusting, that person is X, Y, and Z. Again, your child now is learning that you do not love a certain appearance, that you do not love people who look a certain way, and they are going to do everything in their power to make sure that you always love them. And that includes drastic dieting, changing their appearance, you know, as they get older, Botox, fillers, lip injections, all of these things, surgery, to make sure that they look accepting in your eyes. And again, when we have parents body shaming themselves, what a child hears is, well, I'm supposed to hate my body. Mm. A body is something to be hated. And especially if you have biological children, they're going to have some of your appearances. They're going to have some of the things that you have. So if you're going, I hate my upper arms. I hate, you know, I, what are they called? Chicken wing or whatever, you know, right. whatever society has played or my stretch marks or this or that. Your child is, you know, there's there's a good chance that your child is going to have some part of that that inside of them. So you're telling them that they need to hate themselves. And that is a normal way of existence. And it shouldn't be. We should not be growing up hating ourselves. That is, that is a form of capitalism, patriarchy, sexism, racism. That is putting people down. You know, I don't remember the quote exactly, but there's a great quote that says, you know, dieting is, is the best form of political is the best political sedative. Because if we can keep people focused on their bodies, focused on their appearance, focused on all of the internal, all of their external stuff, um, you know, we, we can keep conquering the world. We can keep doing this stuff because people are too focused on their themselves to be looking at the greater, you know, society. That scares me. <laughs> I'm listening <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, I mean, it's frightening, right? Because we have all of these distractions. We have, and you said something very, very profound when you were talking about companies who are using your insecurities to sell to you, right? Because mm-hmm. they have margins to meet. And, you know, mm-hmm. we package things in certain words to make them seem okay. And as culture becomes a little bit more woke, we call it mm-hmm. wellness or we call it this or we call it that. But you mm-hmm. have to really get down to the root of it. And it's so interesting because you mentioned like if you have a biological child, 
very specific interviews that I did for my book, there were certain people that would talk about the, the women's hips in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Or we all have this booty. It's or we the problem. All... It's the one problem body part that you're going to get and your children yeah. are going to get and you're going to pass it down. And it's, yeah, it's what we're telling, again, like hips is a great example because we're telling little girls who probably have not hit puberty yet to be afraid of their changing bodies, to be afraid of the body that's going to be coming. Yeah. So I want to ask you specifically about that that transition into puberty, especially with girls. You know, American Girl created this book about um, – and I can't remember the name of it, but I ordered it and then I did not give it to my kids. <laughs> like I, okay. I, I literally showed it to, um, to my, my partner's ex-wife and we were talking uh-huh. about the messaging that we were going to share with our girls. And uh-huh. I said, I'm having issues with like pages like this through this. And she's like, if you cut those pages out, the rest of the book is okay. Because mm-hmm. it was telling girls like, here are some things that's going to happen. You have to be aware, uh, aware of your belly area. Um, ah. Yeah. Like there was very specific words about wow. some people are going to tease you about being skinny or fat. And I'm like, we don't need to be putting this language in their heads. Right. And that's, right. and as it is, I mean, they're already at a stage where their bodies are changing. We're having preemptive conversations so they know it's normal mm-hmm. and we're proud and we're supportive and here are the things we're doing. And it's like an open family conversation. Dad is not afraid, right? So that's mm-hmm. another thing that I learned in my research is if dad is afraid of a girl's body mm-hmm. and he hides from the fact that she might start her period, get boobs, all of these things – He's teaching her to be ashamed of her body as well. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I think it's important too, you know, I mean, girls girls have it really tough, you know, growing up, especially hitting puberty. It's getting better for sure. And I think that families are becoming much more aware of how they're viewing sexuality and viewing, you know, growing, changing bodies. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, especially with shame and, and victim blaming and saying that it's every, you know, when anything happens to a woman or a girl, girl or a teenage girl, you know, it's her fault because of her body. What was she wearing? So yeah, it's there, there's a lot. And, and definitely my hat goes off, you know, my, my heart goes out to parents that are trying to do the right thing and trying to navigate this. And it's interesting that you said, you know, well, if we cut the pages out of the book, because so many parents don't even have the time to go and read all of the material, you know, they trust, you trust that your doctor is giving you the right information. Mm-hmm. You trust that your teacher is saying the right thing. You trust that American Girl and these these bigger you know companies have the right information, have your child's welfare at heart. Um, and unfortunately, that's not quite the case. Um, and it's really hard to know uh, you know who you can trust, who who has the right information, and especially the way that we place medical practitioners, the way that we place you know certain people on a on a pedestal. And it's like, we can't question them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, what they say is law, what they say is God. And so it really, I mean, the fact that you were able to read that book is amazing. I'm happy your daughter, your, you know, kids didn't get it. Um, but you know, my heart, my heart goes out to other parents who, who really, you know, struggle with knowing what's right and wrong and, and really trying to do their best. Yeah. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live app now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features on a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. 
At all times, live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want to goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, we've got you. The team at Live has worked so hard to provide you something special, and since we love giving gifts and self-development is our thing, what better time to offer a gift to build out your 2020 vision than now? For a limited time, all guests who download the app will receive full VIP access for 30 days. That means goal setting, talks, challenges, and a one-on-one conversation with a Live Method coach to start your new year off right. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms.janetteschneider. This offer won't last, so sign up now and happy new year and new decade. From the Live fam to you. Out of curiosity, those parents, because I've had this conversation with a lot of parents who they struggle when they have a child who may have a tendency towards emotional eating or overeating or is a little Mm -hmm. bit bigger, and they worry about how that child will be received by their friends. So they start limiting food. They start making people – everyone in the house is aware of what they're eating. What – is the, what's the right messaging? What's the right focus for those parents? Because you can tell that it's, it's hurting them, right? Because they're like, oh gosh, you know, my child might have, might be a little bit larger. So how do I make sure that I'm counterbalancing that to make sure that they don't get made fun of? But at the same time, I feel like that what's happening in the house is worse. Yeah. So, you know, my, so first of all, for parents that have plus size children, um, Plus size people and children have always existed through the history of time and humanity. Um, So first of all, your child probably has a normal growing body. You know, second of all, when children are going through puberty, they have incredible growth spurts. I mean, I remember my brother growing up when he was going through his growth spurts and he was very chubby, you know, for like a year and then he would shoot up and he was a bean sprout. And it was, you know, we, we are judging a child's changing growing body as the same way that we are judging an adult body. Mm-hmm. Um, and we granted, we shouldn't be judging anybody, but we are saying that, ch- you know, a child needs to be slim all the time. I mean, that's just, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me that a child needs to be tiny and thin. Um, you know, unfortunately we live in a world that is telling parents that their worth is based on their child's appearance. You know, I have a lot of parents that I work with, um, that I do training with, and one of their biggest fears is other parents making fun of them or other parents talking about them or the way that other parents view them because of how their child looks. Mm. And this is one of, I think, this is another really great tool and something that I think is really wonderful for parents to work on is not worrying what other people think. Mm -hmm. I get it. We are social creatures. We are wired to care about what other people think because we need, you know, we need social connections to survive. We, you know, Grant, back in, back when we were hunters and gatherers and that was all we were doing, if you did not have your tribe, if you did not have your social circle, you were out in the wilderness by yourself and you were probably going to die. So of course we are worried about what people think about us because we want to make sure we stay in line so we're accepted in the group. Mm-hmm. But things have changed and we it's not that we need it for survival. So again, if if you're worried about your child's weight not because your child isn't happy and healthy right now, because but you're worried because of what other people think, that's when we need to reframe. Mm-hmm. That's when we need to do some work and go, you know what? What other people think about your child 
is not, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't matter because what matters is, are you have a happy, healthy child? Mm -hmm. And when I say healthy, I'm also including mental health and you cannot have a happy, healthy child, including mental health. If you're body shaming your child, if you're telling them how bad they are, if you're actively restricting things, if you're locking up food, I have worked with many families that lock up food. And what that does is that creates a scarcity mentality. So when we lock up food, when we tell children that this is absolutely off limits, you can never have this, more often than not, parents will find candy bar wrappers in their kids' backpacks. They'll hear that their child went over to a friend's house and ate nothing but cupcakes and pancakes and and sweets and cookies for the whole 24 hours they were there because this stuff is not allowed. So when we put children and adults into a restrictive mindset, we are only setting them up for eating disorders later on. This is why we've got to work on intuitive eating, neutralizing foods, not using the language that food is good and bad or clean and dirty, but going, you know what? Every once in a while, cookies are okay. They're not going to kill you. You know, having having sweets, sugar is not the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, our bodies are not the enemy and just really kind of reframing. And that's what I said in the beginning. It's a lot of work because we have to unlearn a lot of what we've learned because a lot of what we learned is only there to make us feel bad about ourselves. So we buy a product to fix it. Mm. So that, and that, I think that's like a whole nother thing I can get passionate about when we talk about kind of the, the way corporate America is involved in all of these Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you, there's a a great quote, like, if we all truly loved our bodies, imagine how many industries would go out of business. I just shared that the other day. (laughs) I am such, I'm such a consumer activist and I believe that we vote with our dollars, but unfortunately, um, the way we have packaged and prepared I mean, it's it's something we all face. Like, I would love to sit here and tell you, like, I am a whole and healthy human being, but I am very aware of what I look like in pictures, right? And I'm I'm very <laughs> aware of the fact that I'm starting to age, right? And that those signs are there. And I think that that's my biggest my biggest worry. And I don't even know that it's a worry. It's that we're also very as as much as we're aware of how we should be and how we should receive information and care for ourselves. It's also a constant barrage right? There's a constant mm-hmm. barrage of information, social media, friendships, relationships. I had um, lunch with some friends recently. They're all beautiful women. And so much of our conversation was around who is going to have elective surgery as we aged. And I was like, oh, yeah. this makes me so sad. Yeah. It's- yeah, exactly. No, it really, I mean, and you know, you said something earlier that you know, women bond over body shaming themselves. And it really is true. I mean, studies really do show that women now bond over, you know, who has it worse, whose body is uglier. You know, it's almost like, it's like we're trying to make someone else feel as we're trying to empathize with someone else when they're saying, Oh, I hate my thighs. And it's like, well, I hate my thighs and my knees and my this. And it's like, we're trying, we're almost trying to outdo each other with self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of normalized language that I really, I, I love for people to try working on removing because again, we're, we shouldn't be bonding over negativity. You know, it, I, when, when I, when I meet people, I don't want to be talking about who, you know, how, what, what part of your body do you hate the most? I want to hear what exciting things you have coming up, what great things are going on in your life. I want to hear, you know, I also want to hear the negative and the sad and all that too, but I don't, it's your body is not the most important thing about you, yeah. you know, who you are, how 
how you are to people, you know, how kind you are, you know, are you nice to animals? Are you trying to do good in this world? That's what I care about. I love that. And I think it's so important because you're looking for the humanity. And one of my girlfriends and I, we actually created something because we, our daughters were born in the same time and she's a trained dancer. And so she's very mm-hmm. aware of her body at all times. Mm-hmm. She's weighed mm-hmm. and she can get, I mean, it's the, the structure of, of her business is, it is what it is. But right. at the same time, we would be having conversations and she would kind of say something about her body. And then I would in solidarity share. And then I realized that we had little ears listening to us because it was fine when we yeah. were single or when we were, you know, without kids, but once we had children. And so what we started doing is complimenting each other to catch each other, not to be like, Hey, we're doing it again. But instead I'd look at her mm-hmm. and be like, you have beautiful eyes. You're such a great mom. And she'd be like, you're mm-hmm. such a great writer. You're such a great whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that way our daughters would hear us. We'd catch ourselves and cancel out, kind of like, oh, let's, I love that. let's move away from this. But then our daughters would hear us lifting each other up. And I, think- I love that. That's so beautiful. That's such a great turnaround, too. Um, and, you know, something you said, you were like, it was okay before we had kids, but now that we have kids. And I'm like... It's that's again, that's how normalized our body shaming is, you know, and I'm so happy that now that you have kids that it's, it's shifting. And I'm sure that it would feel weird to almost go back to body shaming yourself in the way that you probably used to. I don't even know that I have vocally in the past couple years. And one of the other things I noticed that I've done because I worked on myself so diligently is it used to be when I would go through Instagram and I'd scroll through and I'd look at the fit moms because I thought that that mm. was inspirational. It started to make me feel lack. It started to make me – I would compare. And I'd hear mm-hmm. this little voice in my say, I wish I looked like her. And yeah. then I was like, ew. Yeah. So I went through and I flash unfollowed anyone that made me feel bad about myself. I only yeah. followed people that were like – had really great messages, could do handstands because all I've ever wanted to do in life is to be able to do a yoga handstand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I followed people who like brought some type of light into my day. And recently mm-hmm. um, a picture came up on my feed of this really – beautiful woman and it came up and I was like oh good for you girl like you're owning that shot and I was like oh my god mm-hmm. I didn't say I hope I look like you, or I wish I looked mm-hmm. like you or mm-hmm. I compare myself mm-hmm. I was genuinely yeah. so I'd, I'd created space for myself to reframe my own internal talk by yeah. making sure I was cleaning up my social media feed yeah, no, I, I love that too. And I love that you're able to like see your progress. I think that's really important, you know, because there are, we all have those days where it's like, oh, I just, I wish I was further along in my progress and my mental health and all of this stuff. You know, I've been working so hard over the years and it's, I think what we can stop and say, look, I'm so much better than I used to be. I'm so much more positive or loving or empathetic or all of these things, or I've been working on my jealousy. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, we, we have, to, it has to go by baby steps because if we try to base it on these huge giant milestones, we're going to always feel like we're never good enough. We're never, you know, as far along in our journey as we want to be. Um, and you know, something else you said, I wish I look like her. I mean, that was what people were saying on my fashion when I was posting fashion stuff. And, you know, and granted it was Photoshop, the colors were all corrected. It was, you know, I would post one image and I had 300 pictures from that outfit to choose from. So we were talking about such a perfectly, you know, picked and such an unrealistic, it wasn't reality. Um, but I was getting, I, you know, people saying, I wish I looked like you, I wish perfect body. I wish, you know, I wish I was this. And it was like, that was another reason I couldn't go back to doing what I was doing because I was making people feel bad. Like me putting this perfect 
human online, this robot was making people feel bad about themselves. And was I was literally passing on the negative energy that I had about myself just to other people. And I was like, I can't be involved in this. I can't be a part of this system. Um, of, of people comparing themselves, comparing themselves to unrealistic things. And, you know, it's interesting because there are some days where I'm like, I have a cute outfit on, or, you know, I feel, I just feel really great. And I'm like, I want to post it. And I go, I have to rethink my validation. Mm. So also getting out of fashion, also doing that has really made me rethink the ways that I get validation. And so I try not to judge people too harshly who are only putting Photoshop perfectly, whatever, you know, quaffed things on their social media, because I also have to go, that person must be absolutely terrified of being truly seen. That person must really dislike themselves to not be, to not want to be absolutely seen by strangers. Um, you know, when I was there, I know how scary it was. Um, so I, I definitely have a little more empathy for people that are doing that. But I have to say, you know, if you are on social media and you're scrolling and you pass something that makes you feel bad about yourself or bad about your body or makes you feel like you're not good enough, unfollow, mute, mm-hmm. delete, block, whatever it is, because no one has a right to make you feel bad about yourself in the comfort of your own home. Um, you know, and social media causes stress and anxiety because we are constantly comparing things to constantly comparing ourselves to unrealistic lives. And so I say, make your social media look like your life, look like outside. When you open your door outside and you see people at the grocery store and you see people walking around, make sure that's what your social media looks like. Make sure it is showing people's real true lives. I love that. I actually spoke at a conference several years ago for a bunch of girls between the ages of 13 and 17. And I talked specifically about cleaning up your social media, uh, social media feed to be more inspirational, aspirational, instead of like mm-hmm. allowing people to surreptitiously mentor you. If you're following mm-hmm. someone that makes you feel bad, they're surreptitiously mentoring you. So like make sure mm-hmm. that you're creating mentors within your feed. And I had this really open conversation and dialogue with these girls. And this one girl stood up and she was like 13 and she was the first person to raise her hand and I we did a visualization of their future self and I said well tell me about your future self she mm-hmm. and she's this is a beautiful Latina girl 13 short beautiful dark hair and she says my future self is blonde and tall and then she kind of like mm-hmm. shrunk into herself and she said and nothing like me and mm-hmm. I just looked at her and I was like oh my God, is there a guidance counselor here? What's happening? Like, this is not what I was Mm -hmm. expecting. And I just looked at her and I was like, here's the deal. The things that you don't like about yourself now, you may grow to love about yourself later. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you're short, I'm short. I wear heels. I appear tall. Do you know why I also appear tall? Because I'm tall in personality. I'm tall in Mm -hmm. power. And I'm tall in all of these things. So rather than asking to be physically tall, which may not be your thing, Mm-hmm. As to be a tall in ways but when you walk into a room, people are like, she, I, people think I'm tall all the time. I'm like five foot four. <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. really short. And there was this, just this moment of exchange with this girl where, and they were very honest. Several of the girls raised their hands and said, when I look at pictures of these other girls, it makes me feel bad. Like I should have, they were worried that they were not developed and womanly enough mm-hmm. at 13 mm-hmm. and 14 years old. And I was just blown away by that. So I think one of the things that, and I heard you say this before, that parents can do is probably pay attention to 
how your children's receiving information through their social media feeds if they're mm-hmm. on social media, making mm-hmm. sure that they're not creating comparisons that they're not talking to you about. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely, you know, checking depending on your kid's age. Like if you have a teenager, I think it, it's a little bit of a breach of trust to just go in and, you know, take their account and follow things. Oh, sure. I think, you know, depending on age is opening up the dialogue. Like, you know, what, one thing that I tell parents all the time is, look, you don't know everything and it's okay to not know everything. And it's actually a really beautiful process to learn about diet culture and learn about these things with your child. Mm -hmm. You know, if your kid is following accounts that you don't think are healthy, sit down with them, have a conversation, ask them, why do you follow this? How does this person make you feel about your body, about your life, about yourself? Is this something that you think is helping you, um, you know, to see every day? Or do you think it's taking away from you being able to put beauty and wonderful things out into the world? So again, I think we're able to learn together. You know, I think it's actually important for parents to show their kids that they don't know everything. Um, because it makes children less afraid to ask questions. It makes children less afraid to learn new things. You know, no one knows everything. No one was born, you know, super woke right out of the womb. You know, we just, we don't know these things and we're all actively learning. And so I think if you can involve your child in your learning and learn together, that's such a beautiful and bonding experience. And it also, again, it shows your child that it's okay to not know and it's okay to ask questions. I love that. I think it's so important to be able to show, like someone told me one time, you should never apologize to a child. And I was like, no, you have to be able to show your humanity and that you're figuring it out because they'll have expectations of future relationships or themselves. If there's this expectation that grownups know everything. Um, and I think also apologize to your, if you hurt your child, apologize. your. I mean, I don't understand people who view children as if they're not human beings, as if they're not just a little adult, you know, people, they minimize children so much and that a child doesn't deserve the same amount of respect. They don't deserve to be seen, to be heard, to be apologized, to be respected. It is mind blowing to me, the amount of disrespect that adults give to children sometimes. I actually read something yesterday. It was a um, it was a a piece written by a mother from the perspective of her two year old about how like oh I heard you know I didn't read it but I heard about that that had gone viral I right had tears. yeah that's, that's awesome it was beautiful because it was like this little girl's just like I just want to be able to tie my shoes I want to be able to open the door by myself right. I want to be and me throwing myself on the floor and crying is because I don't know how to express all the emotions that I'm frustrated exactly. because I have people telling me and I was just like oh wow. That was yeah. so powerful. And I agree with you 100%. We treat children like second-class citizens. We treat yeah. them like they're not fully capable of making decisions and being aware of the things that are happening in their lives. And exactly. I I do think that that's shifting exactly. with this generation. I do think that parents are mm-hmm. a little bit more aware. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I think it's so important that your children have the opportunity to, to see that you're figuring it out as you go as well. <laughs> like Exactly. Exactly. Right. And you know, I mean, it's the thing is if you don't apologize to your child, how are you teaching them to ever be able to apologize to other people? Amen. You know, we have to, the thing we have to enact the things that, that we want kids to learn from is we have to, you know, be the model, you know, be the, be the person we want to, we want others to be in this world. Um, you know, and I just think I, 
I know it's hard to apologize. I think, you know, when I hear that somebody is saying don't apologize because that to me just sounds like someone who's just afraid to apologize. They're afraid to be wrong. They probably have some trauma themselves about getting in trouble. And so it's like, well, I'd rather be safe and not ever admit I'm wrong because maybe if I admit I'm wrong, I'm going to be in trouble. So, you know, again, I I also, I wonder, I've been doing this work for so long that I feel like I'm, you know, I I can empathize with people kind of to, to such a point where it's, it's just hard for me to really be mad at people because we are all coming from such a place of trauma and confusion and we all have our stuff. And I, I've learned that me, you know, it, me coming to someone with closed fists, I get closed fists back. So as much as I can approach someone with open hands and it's, it's, you know, it's hard, especially in this line of work, especially dealing with parents who, you know, are, are, are doing harmful things with their children or really, you know, I feel like are, are really not going on the correct path for body positivity or for preventing eating disorders. But you know what? People, everyone is doing the best they can with the tools they've been given. Um, and so that's why I, I just I approach this work with zero shame, zero guilt, zero you're in trouble because I, you know, the things that I said about myself when I had my eating disorder, things that I've said about, uh, you know, bodies and all of that stuff. I mean, we've all, we've all made mistakes and we're all trying to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that every parent is doing the best they absolutely can. So I, I, you know, if anyone is listening to this and is like, Oh, I've made these mistakes. I'm messing up. You know what? you making those subtle changes and, you know, trying to do better, you're light years ahead of so many other families who are, who haven't heard this podcast or who haven't heard of this stuff or who don't know what diet culture is or who still hate themselves and are body shaming their kids. So, you know, we're, we're always trying to do better, but you know, wherever you are, you are good enough. Mm, I love that. Thank you. That was a beautiful message and reflection. Um, and I think that's so important. We are always growing and learning and shifting. And we ha- always have the opportunity to be better than we were yesterday. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Question for you that I ask everyone. If you yeah. were to look at a younger version of yourself, um, what age would she be and what advice would you give her? Um, this is interesting. It's actually, it's funny because this is something that I have been thinking about a lot lately. So I've on social media and in my workshops and things I, you know, I do a lot of, okay, what advice would you give to your younger child or your, your younger self or your inner child and all of that? And, um, for the longest time, my advice used to be, you're cool. Um, because I had such a, you know, when I was in middle school, I wanted to be cool so badly. It was like, that was the answer to my problems being, you know, quote unquote cool. And and who actually even knows what that is? You know, I think, I think when we look at it now, cool really is just seeming like you don't care. Like you don't give a, you know, a crap about anything in your life. Um, and for some reason that's what cool, that's what all the models look like. Everyone looks like they don't care. Mm Um, and you know, so my advice for a long time was you're cool. Dana, you were cool. You were a cool kid. Don't worry about it. And I think my advice now is you don't need to be cool to be loved. Um, because I think, you know, we, we want to kind of fill in the gap. You're cool. You were smart enough. You were good. You were all of this. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, I think deeper than that, if we really go, if we really peel back the layers, it's that you didn't need to be smart to be loved. I didn't need to be cool to be loved. You don't need to be pretty to be loved. And the again, the advice I wish I had was, you know, being cool means not caring. And I want to care. I want to care about stuff. Um, you know, caring is cool. So, you know, I think my advice really is that I, you know, I don't need to be cool to be loved and to accomplish things. I love that. And it's kind of the message that you had for parents. Like you are 
you are enough as you are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you are. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be all of these things for others in order to be seen and loved. And I love that that little point at the end. You want to care, right? So much, yeah. Is, like this, this expressed ambivalence because you're tough. And I think expressed ambivalence just mirrors the fact that inside you just want to be loved and you want to care about something. There's, it's, yes. it's just you need to be kind of. Um, right. Led the way, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, in this world, we view caring or, you know, that, you know, as emotional, as weak, you know, it, it, all of these negative, negative connotations are tied into caring and being passionate about stuff, um, you know, especially for women. And so, you know, especially for teen girls. And so, you know, I really, you know, I, I, for any parents out there, I think if you can go to your child and just let them know that you love them no matter what their body looks like, you know, children deserve love no matter what. And I think, you know, if you have any takeaway from this conversation, just go to your child, tell them you love them because they are who they are. And no matter what their body looks like, you will always love them. And I think that is where we can start creating a more body positive household, a more body positive society. We can start kids on the right path and at least start working for the next generation. You know, at the end of the day, we all just want to be loved. Oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, you've got like these little like truth bombs or like perfect uh, messages. Um, last question. If you yeah. were um, leaving this earth and you were transitioning and you wanted to leave behind gold nuggets of wisdom and inspiration for your loved ones or the next gen, what would your legacy be? What would your, your nuggets be? Um, I, ugh, I don't know. It's kind of a big question. Uh, what would my yeah, – I think – I would want people, I mean, I guess like to remember me, I would want people, you know, when they think of me to remember to be empathetic and open and, and, you know, just because somebody hurt you, it doesn't mean you have to pass that energy on. Um, I, I would want people to be brave, uh, and vulnerable. Um, I think something I've learned over the years is vulnerability. And that's a huge thing that was terrifying for me for so long, especially with my skin and my, my eating disorder and all that. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's still not easy in some cases, but I would really, if there was, yeah, if there was a nugget, it would be, you know, just work on vulnerability, work on, work on being open and empathetic and also, you know, kind to yourself because, you know, you're always, you're always becoming a better person, even though some days it doesn't feel like it. I love that. I, I believe wholeheartedly that vulnerability is a superpower. And I yeah. think once you have confidence around yourself and you can be vulnerable, like I have unabashed vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that came from. Um, mm. I'm sure a traumatologist would love to talk to me about that. Mm. But I think once you get to a place where you're able to own who you are and and connect in that way, like the amount of of peace that comes with that and connection with others is enormous. I don't I don't I wouldn't want to live any other way now. Um right. because I think it's so not only is it inauthentic, but your connections with people are very shallow. And yeah. I want to be seen and I want to see others. So I, mm-hmm. I love that and I appreciate mm-hmm. Absolutely. All of that. If anyone wants to follow your journey or find more about raising body confident kids, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, another thing I, to share. So if you go, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, 
great, where do I start? Um, you know, I want to learn more about this. I want some tools. <clears throat> if you go to my website, danasukow.com slash resources, I have a ton of podcasts you can listen to, a ton of um, body image documentaries and movies, a ton of Instagram accounts to follow, a ton of age-appropriate books. I have reading lists categorized for adults. I have it for teenagers, and then I have it for children. I think that's uh, seven and under. Um, so if you need any place to start, go to danasukow.com slash resources. I don't collect any information, so that webpage is absolutely free for anyone to access. Um, and then, you know, if you go to instagram.com slash danasukow, facebook slash danasukow, I'm it, just danasukow, D-A-N-A-S-U-C-H-O-W, and I'm you can find me. Um, and you know, if you have any questions or if anyone wants to, you know, learn more about one-on-one coaching or training, um, you know, feel free to email me or reach out on DM and I'm, I'm here. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your gold and such incredible information. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. You and everyone else. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I love this conversation with Dana so much. Her passion for changing the conversation around body image is truly inspiring. We have so much influence over those around us in what we say and do, especially our children. Let's be conscious of speaking and modeling body positivity and confidence every day. You can find Dana on her website at danasukow.com, Instagram at danasukow, Facebook at the same name, as well as Twitter. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.